Welcome to Women Who Move Nations, the public transport podcast, where we interview our industry's top female executives from Australia, New Zealand, and around the world. I'm Michelle Batsis, your host and the Chief Executive Officer of the Public Transport Association, Australia, New Zealand. We're raising the voices of women for everyone who works in public transport and mobility, and particularly for any of our listeners who are early in their transport careers and looking for inspiration. Each of our guests shares her views on the future of public transport and provides insights into their career journeys. Make sure you follow Women Who Move Nations on your favorite podcast platform and rate the show to help more people find us. You can also join our community on LinkedIn by searching Public Transport Association Australia New Zealand. We're also on Twitter at PTAANZ underscore or visit us at www.ptaanz.org. Thanks for listening and I hope you enjoy this episode. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Women Who Move Nations, the public transport podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Batsis, and my guest today is Lauren Skyver, the CEO and General Manager of Sunline Transit Agency in California's Coachella Valley. I'm so excited for this episode. I had the pleasure of meeting Lauren virtually last year at a couple of our events, and I'm looking forward to hearing more about Lauren's work and her impressive career journey. Lauren, thank you so much for joining me. Welcome and hello. Oh, thank you, Michelle. Thank you so much for having me and to UITP for this amazing event. Thanks, Lauren. We are so excited, as I said, to have you, and I'm going to get stuck right into the questions. So to start with, can you tell us about your current role and your focus areas? Well, right now, as the CEO General Manager of Sunline Transit Agency, we're very focused on our transit services. That is our main primary role in the Coachella Valley. And so we work tirelessly to provide world-class transit service to the Coachella Valley. And one thing of note is that the Coachella Valley has a very diverse community. Um, Some of the richest individuals in the world live in our community, as well as some of the very poorest, which can make transit service development very difficult. But I do think that working with our community, we provide a transit service that's needed and well-ridden. And then the second area that we'll talk more about as we get through our interview today is our work in zero emission technology. Um, The fuel cell and all battery electric areas of um, focus for us have really propelled um, zero emission technology forward. And we're awfully proud of what we've done to help the commercialization of those two propulsion systems. Yeah, Lauren, absolutely. I mean, we were so impressed. Um, You spoke at one of the UITP Australia New Zealand webinars last year that we did and also presented at our Zero Emissions Bus Forum. And I have to say, Lauren, you know, we really enjoyed hearing about your approach at Sunline Transit. And clearly you're leading the way in North America. There's absolutely no doubt in how you're providing bus services. So I know we'll hear a little bit more about that um, as we go in the podcast, but I actually wanted to um, talk a little bit now actually about how you ended up in the role you're in. So, you know, I know having read your bio, you've been in the transit industry for almost two decades. And I saw you also served in the U S army, which I think is really interesting uh, contrast as well. And I mean, I've, got to say you're a real powerhouse leading the zero emissions charge you know particularly in North America but 
also on a global level. And if you could share with our listeners your career journey and how you ended up as the CEO at Sunline Transit, uh, that would be fantastic. Well, you know, I did serve in the U.S. Army for almost 10 years, um, and I had a very interesting job. I was an imagery analyst, which uh, is sort of what you would consider using systems to watch what's happening in the world. But I think it really did position me to understand technology in a way that made understanding zero emission technology and what Sunline's doing even easier and um, also made me curious. Uh, I had a job that taught me to be curious about what was happening and and that has helped me in this career journey. Um, I wanna share with the listeners that I actually started out when I got out of the military um, as a maintenance clerk, making about $11 an hour. So I worked in the maintenance department of a transit agency and really learned transit from the maintenance side, which again, I think positioned me as a leader to really understand how you have to put the rubber on the road. Um, I worked my way up. Um, I've worked at four different transit agencies. One of the things I would tell folks that are looking to move their career forward into leadership is sometimes you can reinvent yourself where you are. And sometimes you have to have the courage to move to some other areas or to some other um, agencies to move your career. And so um, being in the military and moving around a lot, that probably made it easier for me. But I think that um, no matter where you are today, if you decide you want to be a CEO or a director, or you want to be a bus operator, um, transit is one of those careers that you can certainly do that in. You can reinvent yourself at your own agency, and you can also move yourself forward by taking opportunities that come your way. And being open to those opportunities, I think, is what really helped me in my journey, Um, being aware of what I wanted and then taking risks when I was given opportunities is how um, I became a CEO. And, And I will tell you listening that I decided about year three in my transit career to be a CEO. And that I worked that plan for the entire rest of my career to where I am today. Wow, Lauren, that is incredibly inspiring. Um, I love that you had that confidence just to set your goals so early in your career to be a CEO. I'm going to ask you a little bit more about that as we progress, um, because I definitely want to hear more around, you know, how you've been able to embrace that confidence, because I know it's something that a lot of us, you know, our listeners out there and many females particularly really grapple with confidence in the, in the workplace and in forging their career path. I, um, I thought now let's go back into the zero emissions discussion. I thought it was very interesting when you were reflecting actually on your time in the military and how those skills you were able to translate to then your understanding of zero emissions technology, which is really at the heart of decarbonizing public transport. It's very much a technology driven um, agenda. And Transitioning to zero emissions is a key priority globally now. There's many targets that have been set by different jurisdictions around achieving net zero emissions. And of course, in the context of climate change and issues with air quality. I know California is really proactive in its carbon reduction policies. And obviously, as we've said, Sunline Transit is a leader in this transition, particularly on the bus fleet. So I wanted to ask you, what have been the key factors that are accelerating your transition? 
Well, you know, I have to say um, Sunline's been on this path for several decades, so I can't take credit for the amazing work that Sunline's been doing. Um, I came to this agency and made a promise to the board that I would continue to move this entrepreneurial spirit that the organization had developed decades ago. Um, but one of the key uh, features that I would let the listeners know, and those of you that are working in transit, is that we have a board approved policy from 1992 in which the board said Sunline will go forth and explore zero emission technology. Now, if you think about 1992, some of you may not have been born yet. Um, that was a long time ago and, and the zero emission technologies that were available at that time were very limited. So this was a very forward facing board that directed Sunline to go out and be that pioneer on bringing zero emission technologies to the marketplace. And interesting enough, that policy has never been changed. In fact, it's not even in electronic format other than being scanned. It's still a typewritten policy that the board signed back in 1992, and it's never been challenged since. And really some of the factors that it has within it say that the CEO nor any one or two board members can change that forward motion. So I think that transit agencies and transit partners need the support of government and elected officials to go out and make these decisions, feeling that they have support in doing so. Um, one thing about transit, we have a lot of risk in our business. Um, we have risk just putting all those vehicles out on the street. And then there's an expectation of us to serve our customers. And sometimes we don't have the bandwidth to take other risks like dabbling in zero emissions or buying a bus that we're not sure about or not sure we can operate and maintain. And so getting some support from whatever governance structure you have is a key factor. I think the other thing I would highlight is this entrepreneurial spirit. So we have a job to do. We need to do it well. We are a public transit agency, but we also take some risks. We take measured risks, meaning we leverage what we know about a technology or a service, and we take a risk to put it out there. And I will say it has paid off. It allows us to work with our OEMs in a more direct way. Um, we don't blame everything on someone. We wanna get in there and learn about the technology. Everything we operate, we hands-on maintain and operate, even our infrastructure, which we'll talk a little bit more about. But I think being hands-on and involved really has helped us become internally knowledgeable about how hydrogen works. I have folks on my staff that may have a high school education, but I'll put them up against a PhD when it comes to a hydrogen molecule. That's all learned within the organization and passed on to new employees that come into our organization. Everyone that comes to Sunline first understands what our mission is in zero emission technology, along with our mission to serve the public and provide transit service. So I think that having it not just come from the top, but be very organic within our organization about why we do zero emissions, why it's important in air quality, what it has brought as a benefit to our organization and to the Coachella Valley and to the world really with the development of these commercialized products has been part of what's accelerated our transition, which was the very fact of your question, right? What's accelerated it. And I think that those are all easily done. They take time, but the, it, this playbook is not so difficult that it can't be emulated. And it's actually being emulated in many places today. 
Lauren, it's such an incredibly inspiring story, though, to hear how you've managed this culture and this mission of transitioning to zero emissions. I mean, incredible vision from the board, right, in 1992. Like, that is bold to come out and say that you'll have a focus on zero emission technologies. And I love how that bold vision um, combined with the entrepreneurial spirit has really allowed Sunline Transit to forge ahead. Um, And I... I know we've talked a lot about what you've been able to achieve, but obviously there are still so many challenges in this transition. I know that you're in the in the midst of transitioning your fleet over. So what are the challenges that you see that you still need to overcome? So there are still challenges. And I think a lot of the challenges center around infrastructure, whether that is battery electric propulsion or electric fuel cell propulsion systems. I think the buses have come a long way and the vehicles have become commercialized. We have really good data about their reliability and performance, but still getting the fueling infrastructure, which is key to a fleet operator. Um, We don't drive somewhere else to fuel our vehicles now. Generally, that isn't a part of our um, makeup for service provision. And so getting fueling infrastructure Um, sets that we can procure that are low cost, that can produce fuel at a lower cost price point are still some really big challenges out there that not only just for um, the transportation industry at whole, but Sunline faces as well. Um, We have put a 900 kilogram per day electrolyzer on our property. Um, We are working with how do we balance grid power to some more renewable solar power. Um, Our goal is to be completely off the grid in the next two years. Um, Part of that is for being green and producing green hydrogen, but part of that is for the cost of grid power and sort of the demand charges and different penalties that any fleet operator may have by fueling or charging buses at peak periods. So I think that there are some challenges with the infrastructure. I think that the industry and so the um, electrical and uh, hydrogen industry is hearing that and coming up with more cost efficient and effective um, solutions. And I think that really needs to be accelerated. And then I also think that um, government support and incentives are really important for zero emissions to continue to move forward. I get this question all the time, and I I will say it it may be somewhat provocative to some listening, but I still hear people trying to compare the cost and total cost of operation of a diesel bus to, say, an all-battery electric or a fuel cell bus. And, you know, those do not pencil out in any kind of math. Um, Air quality and what we're trying to do for climate change um, may be a little greater cost now, and I think it absolutely is, but I think the benefits long-term do promote the use of zero emission technology. So government support, um, incentives that help overcome the cost between say a diesel propulsion system and an all battery electric or fuel cell propulsion system are really the ways we need to keep moving this in order for fleet operators to make the transition. I couldn't agree more, Lauren. It's incredibly important for government to take a leadership role in this space. And one of those key areas has got to be around how they can financially support the transition. So it's been amazing. I know in your journey that you have been able to access grants and opportunities for support um, to help your transition, which is great. Um, I think one of the other things that I've noticed, I don't know we've spoken about, is 
the overall transformation that's going on of the actual industry, of the bus industry and how you deliver services. Um, I know workforce development is a big focus for Sunline Transit. And I wanted to ask you if you could tell us more about that and other transformation strategies that you're leading. Well, I think that workforce development is a big question. Um, And I think that Uh, transit has waves of folks that come in and retire. And we have been through these tsunamis before, but I think there's a very big one in front of us now, not just from um, COVID and people deciding that they want to retire, but also these transitions that we're making to zero emission technologies. And so a couple of years ago, uh, and it's funny, this is a funny story, actually, Michelle, I was sitting with a couple of my colleagues in a trailer. We didn't even have a permanent building yet. And we were eating soup because we used to do a soup Thursday where we would all bring in a different soup and eat it. And we started talking about the need for a school. We started talking about the need for a trade school that would transition technicians and other transit employees. Because remember, zero emission technologies are an effort that is not just in the operations and maintenance area, but the whole organization. And so we came up with the idea for the West Coast Center of Excellence. And really our vision is, is to have a place where there is an investment in learning as there is an investment in technologies. And so several years later, we actually got it funded from the Federal Transit Administration and they gave us a grant to build this facility. It will be a series of classrooms along with a large bay, big enough for a 60 foot articulated bus, which means other zero emission technology vehicles could also go in there um, for training. And we have gone into design for this uh, facility. So we hope to start building it in fall of this year into winter. And it will be the first of its kind trade school devoted to the transition of both technicians and other employees to these zero emission technologies that are on the road today. Um, I think the other strategy that I would talk about um, that we are working on and have employed at Sunline is, you know, COVID-19 has hit all of us personally and professionally. And we made some determinations that we weren't going to bring the same old service back. We had a lot of unperforming service. We had a lot of service that was just asked of us to do that wasn't really productive. And so in January, uh, we had a redesign that we'd been working on for years and we were gonna slowly and painfully uh, redesign the network. We decided just to do it all in one swoop and all in one day. So on January 4th, a brand new service network was launched at our service change. And I think that we've already seen some ridership gains, even with, you know, what we're dealing with the post pandemic and and we're still dealing with the pandemic. But I think when we think about transformation, we're talking about zero emission here today, but really as transit professionals, we've got to think about how do we transform our entire organization? How do we stop selling what people aren't buying? How do we move into this new era of transportation services where, as we talked about earlier, Michelle, this entrepreneurial spirit about what we can be versus what we've always been is what we're talking about in our meetings, in our strategy sessions, in our our talks with each other. We're really talking about who are we gonna be for the future and how are we gonna meet the transportation needs that all of us want to deliver? 
Wow, Lauren, that was such an incredible articulation of the transformation agenda ahead for all of us. And particularly, I've got to say, thanks so much for sharing those insights into Sunline Transit. I mean, I think the workforce training facility you're building is just incredible. That's got to be world-leading stuff. And I love that you've got such a focus on assisting people with their career paths and creating that diverse opportunity and that was supporting people in their transport careers and particularly to be able to adjust and transfer and learn new skills which I think is great I just got to say as well there's something you said which struck such a chord with me how do we stop selling what people aren't buying I've got to use that I'm sorry just to (laughs) let you know I hope it's not trademarked because yeah right it's actually just hits hits the heart of what we're facing, I think, now in transport around the world. And it's that we actually need to keep up, right? So, I mean, I think that that's that's just gold. So I just want to say um, thanks for sharing that one. I'm going to use it. Michelle, you are absolutely allowed to use it because we really have to be saying it more to each other. We absolutely do. So, yeah, no, thank you. I'm going to keep that one and pin it to my notice board and shout it from the rooftops. All right, um, Lauren, I actually now wanted to take a bit of a pivot really and um, go back to really what the core of this podcast series is about, which we started it because we wanted to elevate women in the public transport sector. It's something I'm personally very passionate about. Um, It took quite a bit of time to get this podcast off the ground. Actually, it took a pandemic, but we got there and um, I have been incredibly proud of the work that my team has delivered and all of the women we've interviewed. Um, And I know we need to do so much more to encourage women to grow their careers in transport. And I wanted to ask you, what are your thoughts on how we can encourage more female participation in the public transport sector? That is an amazing question, Michelle. And, you know, I, I, you know, I believe that females need to see how this line of work is so collaborative, which is really something that women are good at connecting, connectors, supporting, and really service delivery is about supporting. It's about supporting those that actually drive the vehicles, those that actually work on the vehicles, those that plan the service. And so this supportive position that women have towards an ultimate goal makes this the perfect um, career path. Um, I think that sometimes um, when I look around a room, especially when I'm talking about hydrogen, there have been multiple occasions where I'm the only woman in the room. And I always think to myself, there's something wrong with this picture. There's so many of us that could really make a mark and make a difference for our customers, our communities, and those that rely on public transit for their mobility. And so I think that we'll talk a little bit more about that, but I think that confidence and some of the ways that we think this career path does not meet our objectives is really what we need to break through and educate women on. I mean, I'm a mom. I was a mom raising my daughter through this entire process of being a CEO. And I think all of that is possible. I actually think it's better now than when I started my career. Um, And I think that women need to know that they can have it all and they can plan what this career looks like and do it in a time frame that meets their needs, meets their family's needs. I think sometimes women feel pressure to sit back and wait 
to start taking that brass ring or take that promotion or take that job opportunity because they feel like the family has to be at a specific place. And I think that talking more about how you can do that, I talked earlier about reinventing yourself where you are, is a way that we could encourage more women um, to see this as a lifelong career and a CEO career if that's what they want. The last thing I'll say about that too that I think is getting much better is women do need to support women. Um, I think it's something that I feel strongly about. Early in my career, I was mostly mentored by men. And I decided early on that I was going to mentor women since there weren't a lot of women in the business to mentor me. And I think that we all have to pull people with us and pull people up. And I think women are amazing at that. It just needs to be encouraged more. That's really beautiful to hear, Lauren. And I really appreciate you sharing. I think the idea of women supporting women is actually so important. There is something that comes with that, right? Whether it's kind of like almost a sisterhood, but there is just something around a, a shared understanding, I think, and 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 a and a real kind of embrace, right, around, you know, let's help each other. Um, because obviously, you know, and I think for for the younger people coming up, you know, I'm a real big believer in that saying, you can't be what you can't see, right? So, you know, we, we all, I think, have a role to play in, in how we can demonstrate the possibility of being able to forge a career in transport. And I mean, Lauren, you're you're the um, example of that, right? So, I mean, incredible to hear as a CEO, as a mom, you can have it all. I mean, that's so inspiring. It got me, you know, having a little shiver, I've got to say. So thank you so much for sharing. I really wanted to ask you a little bit more about your career journey. And I know you talked about it earlier. And, um, but I thought it'd be great to hear from you, you know, in the incredible career you've had so far, What's a project or initiative you've worked on that you're most proud of? Oh, wow. That's, there's so many. Um, but I, I think that the West Coast Center of Excellence, since it was just an idea I formed with an incredible team who took it and, and believed in it as well, um, is probably um, one of the most um, amazing projects that I've been involved in because it it is... It touches all those things, right, that we've talked about today. It touches transit. It touches delivery of service. It touches making sure that those that sometimes in our organizations are not seen um, or given the kind of training that they need. And I mean, technicians, mechanics, whatever you call them. One side note, we don't we call our, our maintenance personnel technicians because they are no longer mechanics. Um, and, you know, that will be gone with the days of diesel. Right. And so I am incredibly proud of that project because I think it transcends all of transit and it really does need to be done as an investment in people to make sure they're ready to work on these new vehicles. They're excited to do that and they've been invested in to do that. So I think the West Coast Center of Excellence is probably um, one of the projects I'm most proud of, um, but oh, Sunline has given me so many. Um, the electrolyzer, we're now going to be putting a brand new um, liquid hydrogen station and we just won a grant for that. So I think that when you find a home and you really get excited and passionate about what your agency is doing and you open your eyes to the opportunities, you'll be amazed at how much more passionate you will become about what you do. And a lot of that is how you see yourself, how you see yourself influencing that 
how you understand your power does train change your organization and does improve it. I'm, I'm just excited to go to work every day. I love that. I'm excited to go to work every day too. How fun is that, right? I love that. I love that passion. You know, public transport brings that too, doesn't it? So I've got to say, Lauren, thanks so much for sharing. I really love both of those examples. And I'm excited to see what this electrolyzer, you know, looks like and how that develops as well. Because that's really world-leading stuff too, right? For a transit operator to be investing in its own electrolyzer infrastructure. Exactly. And, you know, one thing I say, Michelle, like, you know, you talked about being excited, right? You know, I tell people this all the time. This is another phrase you can coin. I say, you know, transit is not the penitentiary. You are not sentenced to this job. Um, If you're not happy, only you can make a change to make yourself happy. And one of the things we concentrate on is Sunline. It's not just enough to come to work. You have to like people. You have to like transit. You have to like what you do because when people don't like what they do, and you all know that in your area, or you may have someone around you, it's very evident when someone doesn't like what they do and they affect others. And so that can sometimes be changed. Um, People can be encouraged. They can be um, trained. They can get a voice, but really liking what you do is important. Um, You know, like I said, you're not sentenced to whatever you're doing. You have choices and make the choice that makes you happy. Yeah, that's beautiful advice. Thank you, Lauren. Um, I'm sure many of our listeners have really appreciated you um, you sharing that and, and hearing those wise words. On this note that we're talking about, about being excited, I wanted to ask you what excites you about the public transport sector and keeps you motivated? Well, you know, I talked a little bit about that and, 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 I think that there are nothing but good things coming to public transit and public transport. I think that, um, like I said earlier, um, one thing to keep in mind is that we are professionals. Um, We've been doing this for a long time, no matter what country, what community you are delivering service in. Um, You know, it is hard when we have something like COVID and we see the changes to our ridership. We worry about, are we going to get our riders back? But I think we just need to remember that our service is a needed one. Like any utility, public transit provides mobility to people who need it and those who decide to use it. And so I think we should all be motivated about the future. And I think all of our transit agencies should look at what we're delivering and decide, is that really what the public wants from us? Is it the services that most meet our community needs? Is it the mobility that people want? And is it going to where people need to get to or want to go to? And if that doesn't keep you motivated to think that you could recreate your service or recreate yourself or recreate where your organization is going or recreate the propulsion system that your agency is using, I don't know what is motivation, right? There's nothing but change on the horizon for all of us. And I think we need to embrace that and we need to get creative and see how we can help move our organizations forward. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Really fantastic advice there, Lauren. Uh, Everything you say is just, seriously, it's gold. Um, Tagline after tagline, right? I've got to say it, it's so good. Um, You know, I just wanted to reflect that one of the things about you is that you just seem so authentic, right? I can just tell that you must be an authentic leader you know, in your workplace and everyone must appreciate that. And uh, I wanted to talk more about your leadership style. And um, I wanted to ask you, 
you know, how do you approach leadership and how have you developed that style over the years? Well, you know, um, I'm, I, this is the way I, I describe myself. I mean, what you see is what you get with me. Um, I am very direct, but I also make sure everyone knows where they stand. Um, I think that being your authentic self uh, makes people trust you more. Um, I tell people all the time, I don't play games. I don't um, tell people one thing while I'm plotting another. I never did that through my career because I learned from some really good leaders that being fair and being honest, even if it's bad news about performance or about a situation at work, people actually do appreciate honesty over um, insincerity. And so I would say that my leadership style is direct. It can be difficult for some people who are not used to directness. You know, there's a lot of people that kind of operate in a non-direct place and they're more comfortable there. And I would say that makes some people uncomfortable around me. But I think my employees appreciate the fact that they know where they stand with me. Um, I give out a lot of love, but I get out out a lot of coaching if it's needed. And I think as you grow into being a leader, um, don't lose yourself. Um, You really need to think about your passion and purpose. Who are you as a person? Because if you think you can just be someone else as a leader, it doesn't work. That will come through. And so understanding who you are, your strengths and weaknesses, even writing it down if you need to be, Um, is really important for you to launch your leadership in a way where you feel good about it. Um, I have another little tagline that I tell my people all the time when something comes up. I said, you know, our job, you should always make decisions that let you sleep at night. So if you make a decision about an employee, about something that is going to keep you up at night because you're not sure that it's the right thing to do, then you need to come back, talk to the group, get a village together, So that when you go home, you can sleep at night and you know you did your very best at that decision. And so those are the things that I employ in my leadership style. And I hope to be teaching the folks that work with me um, the best way to stay even and happy at work. Yeah, I love that. Um, Even and happy at work. It's so important, right, actually, and makes such a difference to the outcomes then that we see and we're able to deliver for our communities. There's something else, Lauren, that, and I know I flagged it earlier, you know, about confidence and your confidence is also something that really comes across clearly when I'm speaking with you. And my next question is about that. You know, many of the conversations I have with women of all ages and all levels of seniority, many say they struggle with confidence and imposter syndrome. You know, that voice that's at the back of your head, that's giving you doubts that saying, actually, I can't do that. Or who do I think I am? And some women have that constantly and others just have it intermittently. Um, But I know it's something that many women battle. And I wanted to ask you, how have you built your own sense of confidence and what advice would you have on this topic? Well, you know, I was very fortunate Um, when I uh, got to my first transit agency, which was in Tampa, Florida. So Hillsborough area regional transit I worked for one of the very few women CEOs, very tough woman, Sharon Dent. Um, She's long retired, but I still keep in touch with her. And, you know, she gave me some advice. Now, remember, this was a while ago, and I don't know that these same kind of um, tactics have to be employed. But she told me a long time ago that um, I needed to be an expert 
and to learn this business. If this was something I wanted to do and I wanted to be a CEO, because I talked to her about that even those early days. So you're talking about about 1998, 2000. She said, then you need to be a technician. You need to understand the business so that no matter what circle you're in, you can talk with confidence about what you know. And that's what I did. And I still do that. So when I got to Sunline and started really getting involved in hydrogen, I learned about the hydrogen molecule. I wanted to be able to talk about it. I didn't want to be unconfident or unsure about what we were doing, what the molecule can do, what our buses can do. And so I think that being a subject matter expert in whatever you're doing, being curious to learn more is one way that I have confidence. Now, I would say confidence is a very personal thing. Everyone struggles with confidence in a different way or has a lot of it. I think what I see happening to women a lot though is women have confidence or knowledgeable and the first time they put it out there in a meeting and get shut down, they feel like they've made a mistake. And so they go into that imposter syndrome. Just remember no matter where you are that you have to keep bringing, confidence is like a muscle. So you gotta keep strengthening it, bringing it out in things, refining it, um, deciding what is the right voice in the venue that you're in. So I can't bring the same level of confidence to every meeting. I bring a different level of confidence depending on who the players are at that meeting. Who am I talking to? I do a little pre-work to understand what am I trying to do in this meeting and then what is my role? And so I think that that's a talent that women really have. We're planners. We can plan everything from a birthday party for 10 to a wedding for 200. And so I think understanding those key uh, features that you have and the way you bring your confidence forward is just something that you've got to train. And don't be afraid to make a mistake. If you say something in a meeting and you feel like you were wrong or someone points out you were wrong, that doesn't mean you never speak up again. You come back next time understanding that subject. So I think that uh, I would recommend that women that are in different levels of their career and different levels of their agency, really get that confidence out there and stretch it, um, put it out there, refine it, and you will be confident in the room. That's great advice, Lauren. Thank you so much for sharing. In that same vein, there's a particular question I want to ask. It's one of our most popular questions that we ask our guests and that is, how do you prefer to make career choices? And I know earlier you said that you had set a goal three years in of becoming a CEO. So it sounds like you're someone who does have a plan because the question is, do you have a five to 10 year plan? So maybe I'll adjust this a little bit and ask you, how have you planned over the course of your career? I absolutely have a plan. Um, one of the things that I tell folks that I mentor is, is that, you can have plenty of opportunity knocking at the door, but if your hand isn't on the knob, you'll never open it. And so I think that understanding where you want to be is extremely important. And I also have seen people in my career who don't have a plan and end up in an area that they're unhappy. Not everyone wants to be the boss. And so I think right now deciding, do you want to be a boss or do you want to be someone who influences the boss? Two different total career paths. And so a lot of times we don't spend enough time knowing ourselves to know what career is going to work for us. And I've been very focused on what do I want and how do I need to get there? And then not taking every opportunity, 
but thinking about does that opportunity fit into the plan that I have for myself and my career? And Michelle, to be honest, I, I don't plan on necessarily being the CEO of another transit agency. I've been a, so my goal was to be a CEO since, you know, way early on. Now I've been a CEO twice. And so rather than just say, well, I don't really know what I'm going to do. I already have another plan for what I want to do after this. I mean, I went and got a degree in environmental science. I hope to work in clean fuels or help other transit agencies make this transition to zero emission technology. And so really the planning never ends if you really get good at it and you find the success you want in that plan. So, you know, I think that um, it's hard to fly by the seat of your pants and be a CEO. Such great advice, Lauren. And thanks for sharing. I'm so interested to see, you know, your future pan out. And I mean, if you want to come and help us down under with our transition to zero emissions one day, that would be fantastic. Oh, I will take you up on that. I, I would love to come and consult and help um, other uh, countries, other transit agencies and private uh, transport companies make these transitions. So plan, plan, plan. If you're not a planner, you've got to think about where you want to be or you may not end up where you want to be. Yeah, absolutely, Lauren. Um, I just have my last question And in some ways you have covered this throughout the entire podcast and um, it's for our listeners who might be early on in their public transport career. What advice do you have for younger women planning their career in transport? So I would go back to a couple of points that I made, but I'll, I'll make them again. One, remember you can always reinvent yourself where you are. I have several women that work for me at Sunline who wanted to be promoted, wanted more compensation, but didn't necessarily have the next step on the ladder available. And they came to me and said, I want to do this part of this work. This is how I'm going to do it. This is the hours I'll put into it. This is why I can do the work. And this is what I want in compensation. Not, I invite everyone at my organization to do that. Um, I think that you can reinvent yourself where you are. You don't have to move to another agency or, or take an, uh, an opportunity that's across the country or across the world. Um, So think about where you are right now and how you could let your boss know you're ready for more, but that you expect compensation with that. That's one thing we're bad at as women. Um, A lot of times we'll take on anything someone asks us to do, and then we don't feel confident enough to ask for money to do so. So I would say right now, think of two or three things that you could stretch yourself. You could show your boss that you could do the work, but once you're successful, you expect compensation for it. And that's how you reinvent yourself where you are. And maybe you don't have the next big promotion on the horizon, but you have these small steps to that big promotion that keep you motivated, energized, and learning. Because remember, everything you take on, as I told you before about being a technician in the business you're in, will only benefit you as you become CEO. I mean, every department I've worked in Everything I've done has helped me lead an organization like I do today. And so nothing is a waste of your time. Nothing is um, more than you should be asked to do if you have certain goals. But always remember to ask for that compensation too. That's such a good point, Lauren. I'm going to go off script here, but I wanted to ask you, do you have any advice for women out there who are trying to negotiate their salary or compensation for their role? 
Yeah. You know, I wasn't that good at it um, in the beginning um, because I always would go to that place like, oh, I can't really ask. They're not going to give me the job. I mean, I would get paranoid that if I really asked for what I thought males were getting or what I saw was the range that they were going to say no and go to the next candidate. And one of the things I learned is, is when someone offers you a job, they want you. And so I think that um, understanding what you're worth, understanding what that work returns, understanding what the person or persons who do that work either at the organization or at others and having that data available so that you can be unemotional and you can be confident. So remember, if you have a background on what you should be paid, you have examples of that, you can walk in confidently and talk about it. So I think that I had to learn that too. Um, I've undercut myself in jobs that I've taken in the past, um, but I've gotten much better at it. I ask now, and I wanna be honest. I mean, I have not asked for a compensation increase yet that I haven't gotten, um, but I absolutely know that I've left money on the table because I was too afraid to ask. Lauren, thank you so much for your honesty there. I really appreciate it. Something I think that we don't talk about enough, right? But you always, I think we all have a role to play to inspire others um, to really think about how they can advocate for themselves. Lauren, I've gone through all my questions, but I wanted to ask, is there anything we haven't covered that you'd like to make a comment on or any last words you'd like to share? Well, you know, there's a, a unique um Thing at Sunline right now. Um, you know, I'm a woman CEO. It's the first woman to run Sunline. And there have been several women who have been promoted. But one of the interesting things that happened very organically at the organization is that some of the typically male-led departments or divisions, those men who lead those, that would be in transportation, safety, and in finance, have all named women as their deputies. And so one of the things we joke about is, is that Sunline could in the next several years be the only or the first, not maybe hopefully the only, but the first with an all woman leadership team. And I think that my message about that is that diversity does happen organically. It can't be something contrived or by numbers. And I think it does happen when an organization opens its eyes up to everyone and all of their skills and talents and lets those people rise to the top. They're incredible last words to have shared, Lauren. So excited to see how that leadership team pans out at Sunline Transit and what a legacy that you've established there. Um, that's all we have time for. And I wanted to say thank you for being our guest today on Women Who Move Nations. It's been incredible to hear about your career and the awesome work you're doing. I'm sure this won't be the last time our UITP members hear from you. Um, and of course, I really look forward to the day that I'm traveling over to California um, when I can meet you in person, I'm going to have a tour of that depot, hop on one of your electric buses, and hopefully I'm going to go to that festival in Coachella as well. Michelle, thank you so much for the opportunity. And I can't wait for that meeting as well. A big thank you to UITP and all the work that you all are doing. I appreciate being a part of this and thank you again. Thanks so much, Lauren. That was Lauren Skyver, the CEO and General Manager of Sunline Transit Agency. I'm Michelle Batsis. Thanks for listening to Women Who Move Nations, the public transport podcast. Please tune in again soon. Thank you to everyone for listening to this week's episode of Women Who Move Nations.
This series is co-produced by Cassandra Kadelka and Lara Rudd with copywriting by Sophia Dickinson. Please join us each week as we raise the voices of women in the public transport and mobility sector. I'm Michelle Batsis. Keep safe and keep our nations moving.